are tuned to your community radio station, KVMR-FM, Nevada City, KCPC, Camino. It's 6 p.m., Tuesday, December 13th. I'm Joyce Miller, and this is the KVMR Evening News. The California Report continues its exploration of a future with offshore wind turbines. How might they affect the lives of whales and other sea creatures off our central coast? There's a new collaborative spirit in the air when it comes to the usually contentious subject of water rights. KVMR's Paul Emery talks about it with water guy Steve Baker. And Mark Cunaberti is here with his Money Matters commentary. This is the California Report. I'm Adi Bolaños in San Luis Obispo. With COVID-19 rates rising, California's Director of Public Health is urging anyone over 50 years old to have a treatment plan in place in case they get infected. CAP Radio's Kate Wolf has a story. Dr. Tomas Aragon says with COVID, flu, and RSV, the health system in California is strained. But he says people over 50 who are at highest risk can avoid hospitalizations with at-home therapies. Plan ahead of time. So your doctor has it in the notes. If my patient uh, turns positive and I'm not available, yes, please make sure they get on their, their medication. The Department of Public Health says the free treatment Paxlovid can reduce someone's risk of death or hospitalization by up to 90 percent. That medication must be taken within five to seven days of first symptoms to be effective. For the California Report, I'm Kate Wolf in Sacramento. California's COVID sick pay law offers up to two weeks of paid leave for reasons related to COVID, but it's expiring at the end of this month. KQED's Carly Severn has more. If you work in California for an employer with 26 or more staff, under state law, you are eligible to claim up to two weeks of COVID sick pay through December 31st. Workers can use the leave for a number of reasons, including getting COVID themselves or caring for a family member who's been infected. And even though the law expires at the end of the month, as long as an employee starts to claim COVID sick pay on or before December 31st, they can keep claiming the hours they're entitled to into January. Workers' rights advocates recommend that employees make their claims for COVID sick pay in writing, for example, in an email or a text message, as proof that they didn't miss that deadline. For The California Report, I'm Carly Severn. Most of the estimated 270,000 janitors in California work in a private sector. A new study finds their medium wages are well below what state law requires. KQED's Farida Javala Romero reports. The study analyzed government data to find the median wage for janitors is just $13.51 per hour. Yardina Aaron directs the nonprofit Maintenance Cooperation Trust Fund, which co-authored the report with the UCLA Labor Center. When you layer in all of the ways that wage theft shows itself for contractors who are undercutting the industry by not paying minimum wage, not only are they making it more difficult for responsible employers to compete, they're also straining the social safety net. The study also found that nearly half of janitors with children live in poverty and rely more frequently on safety net programs. For the California Report, I'm Farida Javala Romero. Yesterday, we told you about how some local indigenous leaders in Morro Bay have expressed concerns about the planned offshore wind turbine projects. While it's seen as a victory for renewable energy advocates, it's also raising safety concerns about one of California's treasures 
the whales that migrate off the coast every year. KCBX's Amanda Wernick has more from a whale watching tour in Morro Bay. It's a sunny morning on the waters of the Morro Bay Harbor on board a yellow whale watching boat called Freedom. Tourists from all over California excitedly snap photos of the ocean life from seabirds to sea lions. Morro Bay is teeming with life, much of which you can see on board the Freedom. While there aren't any whales out today, they're a common sight here. But these waters will someday be filled with something else. Giant floating offshore wind turbines across almost 400 square miles of ocean. I have mixed feelings about it. I think green energy is great. That's Morro Bay whale watching captain Dakota Osborne, who's behind the wheel of the Freedom. He says there's been a lot of chatter in the local community about the wind projects. That's been a big uh, topic of discussion, for, particularly for, for boaters and people involved with the, uh, the local marine activities here for a few years now. And I've heard a lot of different things about it. I've heard that these things could be up to like 600 feet tall, so an enormous scale project. Osborne says Morro Bay is a hidden gem for whale watching. People you know like go to Monterey for whales, but Morro Bay has a good healthy population of humpbacks that feed here half the year, lots of gray whales passing through. Osborne says he's concerned that the Morro Bay wind projects could disturb the area's whales who use sound and vibration to navigate through the water. My biggest concern has been with the amount of noise they may put into the water, vibrations. Osborne points out that since there's never been a floating offshore wind project on the West Coast, it's hard to say how much whales in California waters would be impacted by this. Having something that scale, kind of in the middle of their migratory corridor up and down the coast here, is something I would like to see a little bit more hard data on as far as the amount of noise it's going to put into the water, different distances from those turbines, the vibration. Scientists are still studying the potential impact the wind farms will have on whales and other wildlife. But the project could also bring benefits to the region's marine environment. Morro Bay whale-watching deckhand Amy McKellar says while she's concerned about the project, she feels optimistic that it could benefit the ocean ecosystem. I think it could be great. I actually think it would create reef structure and potentially bring in some animals underwater. Dakota Osborne says it's not just the animals who could be affected. If whales someday come through this area in lesser numbers or not at all, it affects his livelihood too. I would hate to see the whales avoiding that area, potentially keeping many miles clear of it, potentially even to the point where it impacts us here in Morro Bay and the whale watching. It might be that no whales want to come within 20, 30, 50 miles of the, that wind farm because of the noise and interference to them. Morro Bay is still years away from seeing wind turbines off its coast, meaning there's still a long way to go until we know whether or not it will be a major threat to California's migratory whales. For The California Report, I'm Amanda Wernick in Morro Bay. Support for The California Report comes from Paint Care. Now with 834 drop-off sites in California, where households and businesses can recycle their leftover paint. More at paintcare.org. Personal Capital, providing people with financial tools like the Retirement Planner to help them achieve their financial goals. Personalcapital.com. And Eric and Wendy Schmidt, whose philanthropy includes Schmidt Futures, which bets early on exceptional people making the world better on the web at schmidtfutures.com.
And that's the California Report for Tuesday, December 13th. We're a production of KQED Public Radio. I'm Mari Bolaños. Thanks for listening and have a great day. In regional news, an Oregon wood products manufacturer that operates a lumber mill linked to September's deadly mill fire near Weed has reached settlement agreements with most of those who brought claims against the company. That's according to a report in today's Sacramento Bee. Roseburg Forest Company said in a news release it has agreed in principle with four law firms to settle about 700 out of 1,000 claims regarding property loss, personal injury, and wrongful deaths. The terms and amounts of the settlements will remain confidential. More mediation of claims is to occur on Thursday. The mill fire in Siskiyou County charred almost 4,000 acres, killing two residents and destroying more than 115 buildings. Lincoln Heights, an historic black neighborhood, was ravaged by the fire. The cause has not been officially determined, but CAL FIRE personnel have focused their investigation on a wooden warehouse Roseburg used to store hot ash. Surface water contamination has been discovered below illegal cannabis grow sites, according to a recent Forest Service study. This information comes from the U.S. Forest Service via Ubinet.com. The study was published last month in the Water Quality Research Journal by ecologists for Forest Service law enforcement and investigations. Forest Service ecologists have documented the environmental threat illegal grow sites pose to wildlife, but little was known about the threat of illegal grows to nearby surface waters. Six years of monitoring unexpectedly detected illegal and banned pesticides in surface waters below these sites. The study was conducted at four national forests, El Dorado, Plumas, Shasta Trinity, and Six Rivers. Pesticides, including banned carbofuran and diazinon, were detected at 11% of downstream sampling stations. Dr. Murad Gabriel, co-author of the study, said the results were surprising and highlight the need for the Forest Service to disrupt clandestine grow sites and monitor their impacts. The U.S. Supreme Court has rejected a last-minute plea from the tobacco industry and cleared the way for California to enforce a statewide ban on the sale of most-flavored tobacco products, including menthol cigarettes. According to reporting by the Los Angeles Times, the court's action has the effect of upholding a measure passed by the state legislature in 2020, which in turn was approved by 63% of state voters in November. It is due to take effect next week. The outcome is a victory for anti-tobacco advocates. The tobacco industry spent heavily on lobbying and ad campaigns to defeat the California legislation and the subsequent ballot initiative. When that failed, the industry sued to stop or delay the measure. The regional forecast from the National Weather Service is for dry weather with cold nights and below-normal high temperatures. The forecast for this evening in Nevada City and Grass Valley is mostly clear with a low around 25 degrees. Wednesday will be sunny with a high near 47. Wednesday night, expect patchy fog before 11 p.m. Otherwise, mostly clear with a low around 30. In Truckee and Lake Tahoe, this evening will be mostly clear with a low around 11. Wednesday will be sunny with a high near 39 and an overnight low of 12. Tonight in Sacramento and Woodland, increasing clouds with patchy frost and a low around 31. Wednesday morning will see widespread frost and patchy fog, otherwise mostly sunny. 
Wednesday night, more patchy fog and widespread frost with a low around 32. You're listening to the Evening News on KVMR. Ongoing drought has led the largest agricultural irrigation agency in the nation, Westlands Water District in California's Central Valley, to embark on a monumental shift in the way it operates. KVMR's Paul Emery talks to hydrologist Steve Baker about this sea change. The conservative adversarial district is moving away from legal and political power struggles and toward learning to collaborate and live with less water. This Water News with Steve Baker is supported by Clearwater and Filtration on Rough and Ready Highway, Grass Valley. So, Steve, this weekend was our really second uh, snowy storm of the season, yeah. of course, depending on where you live. I'm wondering if December will be giving us more of storms, more storms like this. Well, you know, Paul, this has been an odd year considering both we're in a La Nina condition for California, but also look at the typical starting date of our wet season, what happened this, this past year. Remember September? We had an early rain, and that rain squashed fire season, fortunately. That was good, a good thing that happened as a result of the rain. Now we're reaching, uh, we're receiving back-to-back atmospheric river storms, and that's uh, bringing us our rains once again. So how is all this craziness changing California's largest thirsty farming districts? <laughs> okay. All right. You're talking about the Westland Water District. I think uh, many of us have, have heard about them in the past. They're very controversial. They have been in the past. And they're controversial because Westland Water District, their approach in the, has been through adversarial decision-making. Okay? It's us versus them. And I'm going to win and you're going to lose. It's an old-fashioned way of viewing life and going after life. So here's the craziness. Westland has voted some new candidates in that prefer to focus on figuring out ways to live with less water. And uh, so this, this change on figuring out ways to live with less water is huge for Westland Water District. They're a very conservative organization historically. And now they're razor-focused on surviving chronic drought, depleted aquifers, and climate change. So really, this is a very good shift for them. Well, it sounds like this may be becoming more innovative by applying a stronger technical expertise. You know, very perceptive. Yes, uh, we uh, want to survive. They want to survive. And, and they know that they'll have less water to achieve their future goals. So, yeah. Now, I met Sarah Wolf. She, at the time, this is back in 2009, I interviewed her for a podcast. And she was the public relations person for Westland Water District. Uh, soon after that, a couple of years after that, she got on the board, uh, a seat on the board back in 2012. And then she tried and tried and tried uh, to move things in a way that would solve problems. Eventually, she, she just resigned in 2018 with some public letter of protest, and it got out there, and it was a big deal. She's a problem solver, and she listens to understand. So... So uh, from where she was coming from, farmers were just up against too much powerful opposition, and she wanted to see cooperation rather than attack against everybody. And, um, and so that was her effort. Now there's another new leader now at the Western Water District, Justin uh, Diner, and his family grows vegetables and almonds in the Western Central Valley. 
uh, growers have started to attend more of the district meetings. This is how this transformation got started. And they began challenging the two-year general manager. He had been in there for 22 years. Uh, His name's Tom uh, Birmingham. And they were raising up a whole lot of dust on water issues. And at this point, the general manager, uh, Tom Birmingham, has decided to retire at the end of this month. So his his, uh, period of time of of moving Westland in that very adversarial way has now come to a close. So what are they now pursuing? Storing water underground. Okay, what a concept, right? They're on the western side of the Central Valley. It's very difficult to do that. However, Sarah Wolf has one example. She has a, you know, her family has a large farm over there. They're, they've built systems to capture and store the waters that hit on their land, that land, land there, and they are directing those waters to areas that will soak it up and allow percolation of that rainwater into the underlying aquifers. So they're doing exactly what needs to be done now. It makes sense. This this has some technical basis. Uh, Sarah's created a, a, a group that that the uh, gentleman, Justin, that I mentioned earlier, was also, is also involved with. They became, the group became involved also with the San Joaquin Valley Water Collaborative Action Program. That was formed in 2020, and you know what that's about. That's about bringing farmers together, with advocates for safe drinking water in marginalized communities, local government, water agencies, environmentalists, they're team players. Okay, very different from the historically what what the Western Water District has done. Uh, Merry Christmas to you, and also happy holidays to everybody else. This is a gift that Western Water District is giving us. It's 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 hope. It's hope that we will do more collaborating and recognize that there are no winners and losers. We're all in it together, and so that's how how, that's how things happen. Thank you, Steve. Managing groundwater is Steve Baker's career in passion, and that has led him into working on all water sources and supplies. This has been another conversation with KVMR's water guy, Steve Baker. You can email him with your questions at water at operationunite.co. The stock market was flashing a promising green today, likely a response to favorable news about inflation. But what does that matter in the long run? Maybe nothing, according to Mark Cuniberti. In today's Money Matters commentary, he sees glimmers of hope in investor sentiment, but warns that it's too early to celebrate just yet. Welcome to another edition of Money Matters. My name is Mark Cuniberti. Inflation statistics are the gauge used by the Federal Reserve when adjusting interest rates, with some recent data showing a slowdown in the rate of inflation. Investors have been nibbling on stocks, and it is the reason the markets have been rising as late. Obviously, not an all-out, everybody-in market just yet. The recent strength has been encouraging. This by no means is an indication all is well with the stock market, however. Keep in mind the market's day-to-day movements are just the sum of the beliefs of all the market participants in it at a particular moment in time. The market will always reflect reality eventually, and therein lies the danger of taking clues from brief rallies and thinking the change in investor sentiment is permanent when it may only be a brief enthusiastic blip. 
Wall Street has a tendency to try and sniff out market turns in order to catch a rally, but rallies that signal an all-clear should be prolonged, in my opinion. This should also be supported by improving economic statistics as well as better news on the issues that were previously causing the market to fall. In the current 2022 market obliteration that we've all been witnessing, investors have been mostly focused on inflation data and the Federal Reserve's response to that data. The question then becomes, is inflation abating and will statistics continue to show improvement? There are many landmines that threaten the brief spike in the recent encouraging inflation statistics that could spell more problems for the markets. However, the coming spike in diesel fuel and the possible railroad strike would both likely fuel more inflation. More government spending programs, should they be announced, would mean even more money printing. Many analysts, including myself, believe most of the inflation we are currently seeing is directly tied to the massive amount of government spending to address COVID-19 in the last two years. In more dire news, two large real estate funds have recently limited investor redemptions, meaning some investors may not be able to withdraw all their money when they want it. This is a liquidity issue similar to what we are also seeing in the current FTX crypto collapse fiasco. A similar liquidity event occurred in 2008 with two Merrill Lynch real estate funds and that helped start the infamous 2008-2009 real estate blow up. Liquidity issues are serious events that can spread to other areas of the market and have a domino effect leading to problems with other financial firms down the line. The latest jobs report adding to the inflation concern showed a hotter than expected labor market, which flies in the face of what the Federal Reserve is trying to accomplish. This statistics demonstrates that at least some areas of the economy are not responding to the recent rate hikes by the Fed, and a more aggressive Fed could continue to pressure stocks in the future. Indeed, after the labor statistic came out last week, the market sold off hard, with the Dow down over 800 points on the week. Only time will tell if the markets will retest the lows of the year, which occurred in the late September month of 2022 for most of the indexes. For 2023 to be a better year than 2022, which was mostly horrendous, inflation has to steadily come down to more reasonable levels. Although it may likely be years before inflation once again hits the Federal Reserve's desired level of around 2% annually, a strong move toward that goal might mean the market can start to show investment a little bit more green than it has in 2022, which, by the way, was very little. I'm watching the market so you don't have to. And that does it for today's Money Matters. This newscast expresses my opinion only and is not meant as investment advice or a recommendation to buy or sell any securities. Nor represents the opinion of a bank, investment firm, or registered investment advisor, nor this media outlet its staff members or underwriters. I hold a BA in economics with honors, 1979, and California insurance license OL34249, and am a Medicare agent approved in the state of California. Our website is moneymanagementmedia.com where everything is free. Our way of saying thank you for listening to your community radio station. My name is Mark Kuhnaberg. That's our newscast for Tuesday, December 13th. 
KVMR Community Radio gets support from 1849 Brewing Company, brewing lagers, ales, IPAs, and stout, offering a pub-style menu, wood-fired pizza, weekly live music, billiards, and an outdoor patio. Open daily at 11 on Sutton Way, Grass Valley, 1849brewingcompany.com. And Mike Bratton State Farm Agency, providing over 37 years of experience with home, auto, life, and business insurance products and financial services. The Mike Bratton team are proud supporters of the Nevada County community. MikeBrattonAgency.com The KVMR Evening News is produced by KVMR News Director Claudio Mendoza and airs every weeknight at 6. If you missed any of our newscasts or interviews, you can listen at kvmr.org or wherever you get your podcasts. And you can always connect with us on Facebook and Instagram. This is Joyce Miller signing off. Please join us Wednesday for the next edition of the KVMR Evening News.